All right. Good morning. New life. How's everybody doing? Good. You look good. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, hey, you've lost weight since last week. Come on, see life-giving words, right? Uh, I am not Pastor Jeff. I'm Chris Puccini. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's just so good to have each and every one of you joining us today. Uh, those of you who are here in the Carney Auditorium, you guys look great. Um, those of you who are joining us online, thanks for joining us, whether it's live or later on in the week and you're watching this archived uh, message, thanks for joining us. I want to give a shout out to our North Platte campus. Yeah. Awesome. And Dave and Tiffany coming. We love you guys. You're doing a great job. If you're sitting next to Pastor Dave, would you just give him a great big hug right now? I love that guy. And I want to welcome those that are worshiping with us in the venue with Pastor Nate and Drew. And we love the venue. All right. If you're sitting next to Pastor Nate, all right, give him a, just give him a knuckle sandwich. All right. Give him but tell him, tell him you love him. He is awesome. And Drew, they are both amazing people. We love them. And uh, just a great day. We're in week number two of our current teaching series, Life First. But before we kind of dive right into that, uh, I want to share with you, we've got a picture of some awesome people right here. This is Matt and Abby Richardson and two of their children. They have three now. This is William and Charlie. Got that right? And they just had a third child, Jack. And they have been our missionaries to the country of El Salvador. They have come back to New Life to be our missionaries in residence while Abby uh, gave birth to Jack and to avoid some, some challenges with the Zika virus in El Salvador. During that season of coming back, they've been working alongside of our pastoral staff. They've been, again, our missionaries in residence and also working with our youth ministry. And God has been doing some work on their hearts uh, kind of shifted some, uh, fo- uh, some focus in their life for near-term ministry, and we hope long-term ministry. And we have, through a process, we've invited them to join our pastoral staff, and they have accepted. Matt and Abby will be serving as our senior high youth pastors here in Kearney. So... So look forward to seeing them. Uh, Matt was, if you, if you remember, Matt was singing up here. Can't that guy sing? If you're here live, if you're in North Platte or the venue, you got to show up here and listen to that guy sing. He's great, but he's got a great heart for God as well. Well, we are in week number two of our current teaching series, Life First. I'm going to share really quickly two, uh, two of my Life Firsts, and I hope that if these are not your Life Firsts, I hope that maybe if you don't have a Life First, that maybe you'll start with these two today. The first one is Ephesians 4.29. It says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. How many think that's, that's difficult already, right? That's tough. But only, say but only. but only. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, how many think that would be tough to just go all day and obey that scripture? Or all week and obey that scripture? Yeah. Let's go to the next one. Philippians 4.13, it says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Your version may say, may say I can do all things through Christ. Him is, Christ is the him who gives, who gives me strength. Now, those are two of my life verses. I'm going to come back to them a little bit later and tell you why, but I'm going to set up the scenario just a little bit before we get there. But 
to kind of explain life verse, because maybe it's the first time you've heard that or you've heard it and you're trying to understand what does a life verse mean. Uh, let me just say this. The entirety of God's word, God uses, and we, are, we need the entirety of his word to change us from the inside out. So the entire scripture, the whole Bible, all of it, the Bible says about itself, it's useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness. So we need all of God's word. So this idea of a life verse is not just... It's not just about picking and choosing a certain verse to fit our view of life. You know what I'm saying? So, so manipulating God's word by taking this one verse and, and fitting our view. It's, it's not about that at all. Let me put it this way. Those of you who are dating in the room or listening, if you're, you're dating right now, those of you who are married, you can remember back to when you first met and you were dating, all right? And back when I was younger and dating Lynette, we actually got out pencil and paper and wrote love letters to one another. Anybody ever do that? I know nowadays you probably text, I don't know, you text those things, you, you Facebook message those, those love notes, private message hopefully, please, private message. But uh, back in the day, we used to, we used to write letters and, and I remember getting letters from Lynette and, and going to North Central Bible College and I'd, I'd get a letter from her. And I'd be up all night, you know? You know what I'm talking about, guys? And, and I would be reading it, and I would reread it. And then all of a sudden, I would come across a phrase or a sentence or a paragraph. And, oh, what, what does she mean by that, right? You know what I mean? So I'd start read it and reread it and reread it. And all of a sudden, my heart would begin to beat faster. And like, oh, she loves me, right? And you would get that feeling. And what would happen? You would, you would take that thought or that concept and... And it would begin to define your relationship. It would begin to uh, motivate these feelings towards the other person, right? Well, a life verse is similar in that it's this succinct, this succinct part, a passage of scripture. Again, we need the whole thing, but it's taking part of it. It's this part of scripture that it's going to define who God is or who I am in Christ, right? So that's the anchor, who God is or who I am in Christ, or becomes a filter, and that is that it's going to define, it's going to, it's going to uh, illustrate how I'm going to live out, how I can live out a life of worship to God. So it's an anchor, who God is, who I am, or it's going to be a thing that is a filter. There's some other angles to take on life first. That's the, the two that we're talking about today. And so this series, Life First, I, I believe that it could be boiled down to one word, and that is this word. You can write this down if you're taking notes, this word, integration. Integration. You see, a verse becomes a life verse when it goes from just reading it with your eyes or listening, hearing it with your ears, and you internalize it, you integrate it into your life, and where you let that verse change you from the inside out. It really changes your point of view and your perspective and then ultimately your behavior, your attitude, and your actions. And so it's this idea, because I love Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, hopefully you are in love with Jesus. You're pursuing a relationship with him. But because I love him, I want to set the course of my life to know him, to know his ways, to know his heart, to know his values. I, I want that to be my life. I want the aroma of my life to be Jesus. And so how do I do that? I need to get to know Jesus. How do we get to know Jesus? Through his, his word, by putting it in our heart, by absorbing it, by integrating it. So I anchor my life in Jesus and I let my life be filtered, what goes in and what comes out by Jesus, 
the word of God. So the word of God goes in so that it can come out. And if it goes in and then it can come out, then I can obey James 1.22, where James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, all right? So it's this idea of integration. So last week, we heard with Pastor Jeff's message in week one, we heard one of Jesus' life verses. And then Jesus never came out and said, this is my life verse. But I believe if you look at his life, this is one of his life verse. In James, or excuse me, Luke chapter 4, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. And he's bringing that into his purpose. He's owning that part of scripture when he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And that was Jesus' life first. That's why we, what he sensed that the Father sent him to earth to, to release the captive, to release those who are in, in darkness, anointed by the sovereign Lord. And then we got to see how that life verse is still Jesus' life verse, as we heard the testimony of Brock and Chelsea Teal. I encourage you to go back and listen to that, this powerful story of Jesus coming in and literally freeing the prisoner and bringing those who are in darkness into the light. How many are thankful that that is still Jesus' life verse? He's still in the business of transforming lives. Amen? I'm thankful for that. And so we need to also have life verses. And so, again, we broke, we're breaking this down into two categories. The, the idea of a life verse being an anchor. That's who God is, who I am. I can tether my life to that. It's an anchor. You know what I mean? The, the winds may blow. I may kind of I I may, I may veer off the path, but I'm tethered. I'm anchored to that, and I need to always be brought back around to the truth and the foundation of who God is. And who I am. And then we need a filter. And here's why. Galatians 5.17 says this. For the flesh, and that's that humanity, our humanity, it's that part of us that's given to our sinful nature. That flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. That's one reason why we need the word of God to be a filter for our life, to filter what goes in and filter what comes out because my desires are in direct opposition to the spirit of God. The spirit that if you're a believer here today, you have God's spirit inside of you. Guess what? You still have your flesh, your sinful nature, and there's still tug of warring some days stronger than the other. And what your flesh wants is in contrast to what the spirit of God wants. And so we integrate God's word. We, we put it in our heart. We read it. We meditate on it. If you have the ability to memorize God's word, we memorize it to integrate it, not to become some, some champion Bible uh, you know, know a lot of scriptures, but really to get it into who we are, to integrate it into our life and let it to be an anchor, let it to be a filter for what we then put in our mind and what we allow to go in through our experiences and then ultimately what comes out of our life and our behavior and our speech. So in my life, I've, how many can identify with me in this? I, I've had my fair share of challenging people that God has allowed into my life. How many can identify with what I'm saying? How many, raise your hand, and you're a challenging person, so you can identify with what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just joking, but the reality is we, we all have been challenging people before, and somebody's pointing at their husband. I, I won't acknowledge that, uh, but <laughs> we've all been challenging people, but we've all also experienced challenging people that God has somehow allowed in our life 
to shape us and to work on us. All of us have been there. Now, I grew up as a pastor's kid. We, I used, we use the term PK. That means pastor kid. So if you ever hear that, that's what we're talking about. And I, and I loved, I loved, I had a great experience. Loved being a pastor's kid. And in fact, let me just say my, my father, he's still a pastor to this day. And there's nobody who loves people with a shepherd's heart like, like my dad. Unbelievable example. I don't say that to brag about me, just to brag about my father and the Jesus I've seen in him and his life. And in fact, to this day, he's in a small town outside Yuma, Arizona, a little tiny town no one's ever heard of or seen. Right? But when I go to visit him, and, and let's say we go to a restaurant, everybody knows my dad in the restaurant. And not because he's cool, but because he loves people. I've encountered so many people just dri- you know, driving around town or in, to his town. Or one time we checked into a hotel and the person, they saw my last name, you're Puccini. Are you Alan Puccini's son? Oh man, your dad has made an amazing impact in my life. And no one that loves my dad like a shepherd, more, or no one loves people like a shepherd like my dad. So just a bragging moment, right? Is that all right? That's the context because I grew up, that was my dad's heart. I saw that heart for his family and for people. And, and so, again, most of my experience being a pastor's kid was great. It was awesome. I loved it. I have great memories. But I got to tell you, there's things that I heard and saw done to my, my family, my father, that probably could have easily made me never want to be a pastor, and that was tough. I got to say, some of the, the most difficult wounds is when somebody you love says something about you, wounds you, defames you, right, with their speech or with their actions, and, or, or they do it to somebody you really love, like, like happened to my father a few times. And what happens when... What happens when that happens to you? Somebody says something about you. You hear something. They tear you down. They reject you. They rebel. What happens in the natural is your defenses go up, don't they? Somebody says something about you. Your defenses go up. Now, all of a sudden, my thoughts towards that person start to go dark, right? And now my sinful nature starts to to stir, right? My thoughts become even darker. It's like throwing chum in the water. But instead of a shark, it's your sinful nature and your pride that's just raging at the surface. And what does it want to do? Your thoughts, the thoughts, and then all of a sudden, it wants to eventually come out. And I, I not only want to set the record straight, right, but I want to go set the record straight and then some. If it's a deep wound, if it's a hurt. And so ultimately, those you, hear, you can hear something in thoughts if you're, not, if you're not filtering your thought life through the word of God. If you're not responding and anchoring your life the way God wants you to respond, you can easily go the way of your sinful nature and want to respond with words. But here's what I learned. As I share this, as I share this please keep in mind, I'm still a work in progress. Raise your hand if you're still a work in progress like me. All right, so... I don't want you to give the, the idea that I'm perfected. But as a young kid, as I saw the, how the harsh words wounded, and not only that, but probably primarily how the person speaking, how it polluted their soul. And as I allowed the word of God in this life versus Ephesians 4.29 especially, became a life verse for me at a very young age. I've learned the value of guarding what comes out of these lips. 
And I'm not perfect, but I've learned the value of what guarding what comes out of my mouth. Now, here's why. The Bible says in Proverbs, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. How many know that to be true? How many of you on the verge of opening your mouth said, just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Why? Because intuitively, you know, you know that that verse is true, even though maybe that's the first time you heard it or read it. And so I have found, I have found that choosing not to pollute my soul with allowing the thoughts turn into speech that it may damage other people, but first of all, damage me. I have found that not allowing it to pollute my heart keeps my heart right before the Lord. And God's word becomes then a filter, and it reminds me. It reminds me of who I am in Christ. It reminds me who he is, and, and it reminds me of how I should live. And when I blow it, I want to own up to it and make it right. Because we all stumble in many ways. But we, if we allow God's word to be an anchor and a filter, when we do blow it, there should be this conviction because guess what? That's, that life verse is coming back to my mind. And, oh, man, I blew it. Now I need to respond biblically and go to that person and make it right. I know that with the number of people at all of our locations listening online that I'm not alone. All of us have had wounds, haven't we? All of us have received wounds from the harsh and sharp words of other people, and all of us have dealt it to others. I painted a very specific picture as I kind of illustrated my life growing up as a pastor's kid and what can tempt you easily to lash out with harsh words. But let me tell you, there are many different trails to lead, that lead to the top of the same mountain. It may not be that somebody wounded you or hurt you or said something evil about you or your family that made you want to lash out and come back with a, some type of verbal assault. It may simply be that you just disagree with them. and you, Well, I wouldn't do it that way. And so there's this pride thing or ego thing or there's this I wouldn't do it that way. I don't like this person. I don't like the way that they're doing it. Their personality is different than me. Maybe it's just prejudice. Maybe there's the sin of prejudice in your heart uh, against someone's race or sex or someone's socioeconomic status, and there's this prejudice, and that, that and that alone causes you to open your mouth and unleash sharp words to somebody. And all of those things whether it's prejudice, whether it's insecurity, right? Because I think they think this about me, so I think this about them, and so I'm going to open my mouth before they open their mouth. Or imagination. All of those things are rooted in the pride of our sinful nature and will tempt us to let things come out of our mouth that should never come out of our mouth, things that destroy, and they temporarily make us feel better, but they pollute our soul and they get us into trouble. Two relational areas that I want to highlight just for a moment that this can manifest, and that is at home and at church. There's other areas, but let me talk about home and church, two arenas that have a family situation going on. Satan wants to destroy both of those. Parents, if you're still a parent with kids in your, in your home, husbands, wives, if you are married, you're living with your spouse, you, you're, you're a married person. Let me tell you, the enemy would love to destroy your family and your relationship 
And one of the ways that he is going to tempt you is in this area to open your mouth and to unleash hell, literally, on the people that you are called to love. And the enemy wants to divide the church. Did you know that your words have the power to give or take life? Look what the Bible says. The tongue has the power of life and death. Mom and dad, what you say to each other and about each other has the power to give life or to take life, not only from your spouse and to your spouse, but to those that are listening. What you say to and about your children. Parents, what you say about other people where your spouse or your kids can hear, there is fallout in that if it's taking life. But on the upside, there is a great harvest when you speak life. Husbands, when you speak life into your, to your wife, and if you have kids at home and they hear that, guess what? They're going to grow up with a healthy understanding of what it means, what a godly husband looks like, what it means to uh, your, your daughters are going to say, that's what a godly man looks like. That's who I need to marry. That's the type of person that you, you understand what I'm saying? Your words have the power to give life or to take life. If you're a follower of Jesus, and then we're talking about the church family, and we use that term church family because it's a biblical concept. Yet sometimes, sometimes church families can act like dysfunctional families, right? And it happens when we open our mouth. And conflict happens because of the words that we say. And if there's not reconciliation, it can go to the extreme where we start to think and dwell upon practicing family divorce in a church sense. That, hey, I'm leaving because you said this and I'm wounded and I'm hurt. Or I'm saying this about you and I'm wounded and I'm hurt. And some practice that. And they leave behind wounds. They leave behind the the guilt of sin of not reconciling in the way that God's word has called us to reconcile and leave behind the wounds of abandonment. Can we all relate? I know I've painted some dark pictures today, but can we all just feel the weight of this? Can can you relate with me that there have been times that I've been lured into the temptation and I've crossed the line of temptation into action where I've loud, destructive words to come out of my mouth? And can we all identify that that has happened and we have been wounded by it? If you can, this should make you feel, this should make you understand that it's the very reason we need God to change us from the inside out. We need his word to cleanse us, to make us who he has called us to be. By his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the whole idea of this life first thing. It's not just to get you to memorize a bunch of scripture, but to, to memorize it, to integrate it into your life, and it, for it to begin to define who you are. We need life verses. We need verses that will anchor us, that we can keep going back to. When a situation comes up, we can go back to it and say, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen? I can do all things. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. We need anchors and then we need filters, things that become filters for what goes in and what comes out. So because we desperately need him to change us, let's go back to my two life verses today and let's hit them one more time. This first one, it's our filter today and it's this, again, Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful 
If you have your, uh, your Bible here today, highlight this in your YouVersion app. You can highlight that or underline it. Helpful, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit, underline this benefit, those who listen. What is helpful? What will build others up? What is beneficial? Let's, let's look at the first word, uh, unwholesome. What is unwholesome? Well, unwholesome is, is bad, is corrupted. Your version may even say, do not let any corruptible or corrupted talk come out of your mouth. Something that is of no use. It's, it's unfit for use. It's worthless speech. Do you see how this can become, Ephesians 4.29 can become a filter for what you allow to come out of your mouth? And you know, it may begin, it may begin as somewhat of a mechanical filter. You know what I mean? Where I'm about to say something and then you stop and you read or you meditate. Okay, is this, is this unwholesome? Is it beneficial? Is it helpful? You see what I'm saying? You're allowing it to become a filter, a mechanical filter. But then as you integrate it, I believe as you meditate on it and you memorize it even, as you integrate it into your life, it becomes more like a muscle memory type of filter. It becomes where God's word literally changes you from the inside out. Are you still tempted by your sinful nature and by the enemy? Absolutely. And that's why we still need to rehearse the word of God. But the more we do that, the more it becomes muscle memory, so to speak. And notice it says helpful. It says helpful. It builds, it builds others up. It benefits those who listen. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean that everything that you should say is always peachy and nice and just fluffy, you know? And, and that appear, and sometimes we need to say something that's challenging that at first kind of stings, right? So like if my, my wife said, hey, hon, you, I, I think you need to get back to the gym. Ouch, <laughs> right? Kind of stings. Is it true? Yeah. Is it beneficial? Yeah. Is it helpful? Yeah. Right? None of you, by the way, need to get back to the gym. This is just me. But, but for me, I, I don't want people lying to me. I, I want people that are going to tell me the truth, even if it stings. I, want it, I hope that it's done in love with the goal in mind that it would be helpful. I think that's huge is our attitude and how we say things. But my point is this, just because... Just because uh, it says do not, it, it can't be unwholesome, that it needs to be helpful, doesn't always mean it's not going to be challenging. We need to often say things to people in the right context, in the right, with the right motives, that is challenging, yet it's helpful. Write this down. Life-giving words will affirm, encourage, or challenge and so they're going to affirm something. And so I see, I see God's hand upon you. I see that you're right in, you're doing the right thing. God has his hand upon your life. Or you're encouraging somebody. Man, God has great greatness for you. God has great things. He wants to use you. You know, speak life. Parents, speak life over your children, right? Life group leaders, speak life over the people in your life groups. So it's affirming, it's encouraging, but it's also sometimes going to be challenging. It's, it's true and it's honest. It's said with the right attitude and in love. So the filter becomes, is it beneficial? Or am I with my words praying on this person? 
And is what I'm saying going to cause them a wound? And is it going to hurt those who are listening? Those who just uh, are standing around and they hear what's coming out of my mouth or they read what I'm writing on Facebook or on Twitter, on Instagram, and they're going to see it. Is it going to benefit those? And, and this is true. I think this needs to be the filter, whether it's to that person or whether that's about the, that person. Will this help those who hear? But, but the question is, but what if I'm right and they're wrong? What if they've sinned against me and I'm right? What if they're wrong and I'm right? Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful and beneficial. There's the filter. You see what I'm saying? But what if, I'm, what if I'm only passing along useful, accurate information, right? I, I, I'm not tearing them down. I'm just, it's, it's true, and I think it's useful, accurate information. I call that being a Fox News Christian. We report, you decide, right? And some people, they can't keep a confidence, and they go around, and it's we report, you decide. It's just, I'm just passing this along, and it's the cliche Classic, so you can pray type of cloak, right? But is it beneficial? Is it helpful? If you struggle keeping a confidence, Ephesians 4.29, let it become a filter. If you can't keep a confidence, is it beneficial? Is it helpful? Is it unwholesome? Am I doing it just so that I can be seen as somebody who's in the know? Is this helping, right? I know this is, this is challenging. But if you can't keep a confidence, let me just say as a side note, the minimum fallout will be that nobody will trust you, even the people that like to listen to the stuff you know. They won't trust you, and only a fool will empower you with influence. And so can I just say, if you struggle with this area of keeping a confidence, can I just paraphrase Ephesians 4.29? Stop it. There it is. In love. I'm saying that in love. That's the challenging thing, all right? So just because it's true and just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's helpful or beneficial to those that are hearing. But it's so hard, right, isn't it? I mean, James even says in James 3, 2, that if a, if a person can tame their tongue, they're perfect. And so is this a lofty goal that is just, it's, it's, it's outrageous to think that we could actually, actually do this. Well, that brings me to my anchor. And it's Philippians 4.13, I can do all this. Your version may say, I can do all things through him or through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. In fact, let's read this together. Here we go. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's my anchor. One of many. When, When I am challenged with this idea of not allowing my speech and what comes out of my mouth to bring death, you know what I mean, to be unwholesome. When I'm challenged with this idea that that everything I say must be beneficial, must be on target, must be helpful, must speak life, must be affirming, encouraging, or challenging and be beneficial, that's a challenge. But when I anchor myself in, I can do all this. You see, the word of God When that becomes an anchor, it reminds me of who God is. He is the almighty God. He is all powerful. Yes, I am weak. 
right? I am, I am bent on sin, but he is strong. And his power at work within me gives me everything that I need to accomplish his will and his purpose, even the, even the purpose of living out his ways to allow what comes out of my mouth to bring life. I can do it through Christ. Notice it doesn't say, I can do anything I want through Christ. You notice the nuance? It doesn't say I can do anything I want through Christ. It says, I can do all this or all things through Christ. It must go through Christ. It must be filtered through Christ. I must get my strength from Christ. So I can absolutely accomplish Ephesians 4.29 because it's the will of God for my life through Christ who will strengthen me. So today if you're feeling the tension to say, hey, I, just my personality is I say it, I, I, I tell it how I see it, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, just being real, just being honest, right? And, and that, that's your personality. I get that. I get that. And so you may struggle with, with this. Can you really do it? Yes, you can. Surrender surrender that part of your life to Jesus. That's the value of a life first because you start to rehearse it. You start to integrate it into your life until it comes out of your life. You may have developed a bad habit with your speech. Your speech may be vulgar. It may just be subtle, right? Passive aggressive. Or it may be very apparent, sharp, and demeaning. It may be sexually impure and you developed this habit Would you surrender, first of all, surrender to Jesus? Say, God, I admit that I can't do it, but you can can do anything. And through you, I can do this. I can do this. So what nerve has been struck with you today from God's word? What is God saying to you? First, if you're not living a surrendered life to Jesus Christ, today is the only day that I can tell you this is the only moment that you have breath to breathe. This is your only moment that you're guaranteed. If you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, this is not a self-help type of message. I hope you feel the tension between God's standard, God's ways, what he, way he's called us to live and, and to live and have joy and, and purpose and fulfillment, by the way, and, and our inability to do it. I mean, we can only muster up so much self-will and moral fortitude to live a certain way. We need God to come and to rescue us. And so you need to start by surrendering and acknowledging, Jesus, I need you. I believe what you did on the cross as you were crucified and buried and you raised back to life is more than enough to save me from myself, that you can come and live, and live inside of me and save me and rescue me. Isaiah 61, he is the God of second chances. He is Jesus who has come to set the captive free. So today, if that's you, you need to begin by surrendering to him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and your speech is out of control, first let me challenge you, don't compare yourself today to other people because we can always find people, some people that are probably worse than we are. But start by humbling yourself before God. It's really the same place. It's the place of surrender and humility. If if your speech is demeaning, if it's wounding others around you, you know it. I don't even have to paint any more of a picture for you. You you know what I'm talking about and the the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I believe, where you feel like, ah, I know that thing is not right. 
Just humble yourself and confess your sin to the Lord. That's the place to start, is to humble yourself. At these altars, before you leave today, I would encourage you to come and find a place at the altar. And by the way, just so you know, not everybody that comes to the altar, it's not like we're raising a flag over your head to say that you use profanity and that you don't, you know, that you're having an issue. But if you do have an issue with your speech, come to, I just want to encourage you, come to the altar. If you need God, come to the altar to meet with him, to humble yourself before him. And then make Psalm 141, uh, verse 3, your prayer, where you say, God, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I think that's a great prayer that the psalmist prayed, and he had a great need to pray it, by the way. I don't have time to go into that. But this prayer, God, I need you. Would you set a guard over the door of my mouth? And then daily surrender. You know, I hope you leave today with more than just, I, I, I want to find some, some cute life verses and post them online. I hope you leave with a hunger for the word of God, that you daily ingest it, you take it in, you put it in your, in your spirit, and you let God change you from the inside out. But, but for sure, we do want you to leave today with this idea of finding these verses, rehearsing them, making them define who you are in Christ and what drives your life. Read, reread, even memorize, if you can, the word of God. Put it up in places in your house or in your car, places that are going to remind you of who he is, who you are, and how he's called you to live. And then take action against your own desires. Maybe it's the way you were raised, the way you saw your parents talk to each other. Maybe it's just the habit that you've got into. But take deliberate action to surrender yourself to the Lord. Let the filter of Ephesians 4.29 be enacted this week. It may be contrary to how you feel in the moment. It may feel unnatural. You may feel like your, your pride is under assault, that you've got to speak up or, or else you're not a man or you've got to say, you've got to get your point of view across or, or you're spineless. But let me encourage you to this, to be thoughtful with your words, to be slow to speak or slow to anger, to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And remember Philippians 4.13. I can do all this, not because of me, but because of him. Would you stand with me? At all of our locations, I want to echo the challenge that the Apostle Paul gave to the church in Ephesians when he said... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a calling on your life. And you, all of us in this room, those that are in the venue in the North Platte, those who are listening online, all of us are in unique places on the spiritual growth continuum. Our coordinates are slightly different on that path. But this is the aim, this is the goal, that we would be people pursuing Jesus, changed by him. I pray, I pray God today that New Life Church would continue to be a hospital for the hurting, a place where love lives in our hearts and it overflows into our actions, into our words. 
I pray, God, that we would be people of your word, changed by your word and empowered by your Holy Spirit. I pray today, God, that before we even leave the auditoriums that we're in, before we move on to the next thing, that we will find somebody in our life to speak life-giving words to. I pray that we will put quickly into action your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray today, if there are those that need to surrender your life, their life to you, that they would make an altar, they would find a place of surrender. Today, you would move in their hearts and lives. For the rest that are walking after you, pursuing you, strengthen our journey today, God. Transform us, make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.